What's going on, guys? AJ here back again, bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. So I have thoughts on uh, a blog that just came out, the top five priorities for HR leaders in 2022 and beyond. Really like that copy. Um, My perspective on these will probably be simplistic, yet super impactful, yet a little outside the box. So bear with me. Number one they wrote here is building critical skills and competencies. Um, Tangibly how to get that done. I'm a huge fan, a huge, huge, huge fan when it comes to understanding tangibly um, how to build relationships with ancillary folks outside of the workforce that has been there and done that and bring them in in a really tangible structure to provide support. I think if, like, for example, if you are a budding, growing startup today and you're looking to break into another market when it comes to marketing, right? Like if you're a if you're a clothing brand and you're looking to break into the TikTok space, I think it's incredibly smart to look at some of the greatest and best um, agencies. Like, for example, I think you take a, a strategic advisor and or internal executive at VaynerMedia that 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 runs and executes all things TikTok. And I think you pay that person fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars for X and Y and Z hours of their time to bring them in and teach you certain things and, and kind of get the ball rolling. What you're doing is you're taking high levels of competency, you're plugging it into folks that may not know how to do so, so that you actually get to high levels of productivity relatively quickly. Um, I'm a big fan of this. So when I think about building critical skills and competencies, it's not always test. It's not always certain experiences that can build those skills and competencies. In my personal opinion, it's also leveraging folks from the outside. Now, many companies leverage folks from the outside doing webinars, doing keynotes, doing all hands fireside chat meetings, um, things of that nature, bringing in motivational speakers. Um, or the other realm of that is like sending them to courses that are online classes, things of that nature, or having someone that, is doing something at a high level and building out some competencies and some classes and some programs internally. I think for me, and I've done this time, time, and time again, when you build a brand or you're trying to scale into a new department, or you're trying to do anything where you're trying to inevitably um, do more and be more, I think it's incredibly important to bring in folks that have been there and done that and bring them in at a consultant advisory capacity to teach and to get things up and running. So that's one way. The second thing here was organizational design and change management. I think this is an incredibly important trend because both the way the companies are being structured today, as well as off the back to COVID-19, off the back to the George Floyd era era, era, and the DE&I movement, off the backs of um, what the workforce is wanting and needing as we uh, have Gen Y breaking into the sectors. I think there's a lot of change management, a lot of organizational design that needs to take place. Again, I think you leverage blogs, articles, advisors, thought leaders from the outside coming in and do a plug and a play. I think um, I think what you also do is you have to keep in mind and going directly to your people and understanding how they want to go about uh, change management, how they want to go about the organizational design. I think many organizations have executives and CEOs sitting at the top, understanding how they want to see the organization designed, how they want to experience many changes, but they miss one very key component. You're not going to, here's a better example. Something I've been pushing very heavily with my own personal family right now. My my mother's going through a very difficult time and I have a 14 year old sister. What I've been advising my mother to do is go to my 14 year old sister and understand how she 
wants to experience really tough shit, really uh, significant change moments. How does she want to experience that so you can manage contextual to her needs and her preferences? I think the same can be said at the organizational level. If we can find ways to really understand the employee's point of view around change and how they want to experience change and, and their their two nuggets on how the organization should be designed from the data points that they have, I think there's a lot of good that can be done there um, and that can be really interesting. My number three, number three here, it says current and future leadership bench. I think that's very interesting as well. I think many organizations have people in leadership positions that necessarily are not human-based leaders. They're more technical and strategic and, and subject matter expert type leaders. So what I think could happen moving forward is as you think about a sports team and you have that bench, those that are prepping and trying to get ready to then move into those leadership positions, I think what we're going to start seeing more are organizations taking a little bit more understanding and, and a different eye and an onus around what does it actually mean to be a human-centered leader, an emotional-based leader, as well as a technical and advisor and strategic and subject matter type leader. I think organizations will start to create uh, two in a box, like the organizations that I've been a part of. I think organizations will create leadership rubrics that are a little bit more human-based and a little bit more um, strategic and know-how and tactical-based. I think those are some things that may be happening. Um, and I think the last thing here, last two things, is future of work and DE&I. I'm just going to put them in the same category for a moment. I think at the end of the day, we're moving past, um, we're moving past color, gender, um, backgrounds as we think about DE&I. Um, we're moving past some of the groups that are being created internally, some of the keynotes and some of the conversations and some of the employer branding that's happening, putting our hands up and being a being a friend to the DEI movement. And I think we're now moving towards more tangible output. How is DEI influencing your hiring strategies? How is DEI influencing your um your communications internally through your hiring process? How is DEI influencing how you're going about compensation tactically? How is DEI influencing the way that you are putting leaders in the position of power? How is DEI influencing how you're going about considering who you're going to fire and or keep in a certain leadership position or inside the company, period? How is DEI impacting workflow design? How is DEI impacting your decisions around remote work and your decisions around decisions itself, right? And the strategic structure of how you make decisions as a company. We're going to start seeing more tactical implementations rather than just historical high level um, things that we've been seeing thus far. So those are my perspectives on what, uh, those are my perspectives on the top five priorities for HR leaders in 2022. Um, as always, these are my thoughts, my perspectives. Let me know if you agree. And if you don't, no worries. Love you.